Well, I need to say a few thank yous here. It's been a pretty crazy start to 2022 for the Ashland Place staff, I have to say. We counted last week, and out of the 14 of us on staff, 10 of us were unable to be here last week because of sickness or being out of town. So first, I want to say thank you to Dr. Bishop for coming and preaching last week. I really enjoyed getting to listen back to what she had to say, and the what would happen if question has remained with me. I'm grateful for our connectional system and her willingness to come and fill in when Sterling and I were both gone. I also want to say thank you to Leanne, who has been doing so many things, as you all know, behind the scenes, and even more so in the past week. And she's running the cameras right now, so there's a perfect example. I also have to say thank you to Laureen Lynn. Um, so Mike and I went on vacation this past week, and as the flight started getting canceled more and more, before I left, I said, I better have a backup plan if I don't make it here this morning. And it was a little dicey making it here this morning. Um, we flew from San Francisco to Houston, and they had actually shut down the Houston airport for two hours because there were tornadoes. So we, and this was while we were in the air. So we were in a holding pattern for two hours. And then we had to be rerouted to San Antonio because we were running out of gas. Then we had to get filled up on the gas, and it took so long that we missed our flight to Mobile. So I had to text Laureen in the middle of her watching Ted Lasso, and I had to say, Laureen, I might need you to give the sermon. I had sent it to her, and I said, this is, we're going to plan for the worst and hope for the best. But then we decided to rent a car. So if I say anything kind of funny this morning, we left at 10 p.m. and got here at 5 a.m. <laughs> so I'm running on fumes, but I'm so glad to be home. I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm so grateful for the many of you who made it possible for us to go on this trip with our friends. It was spiritually renewing and also just a lot of fun. So I'm really, really grateful. But I did notice something about myself, and I've always known this, but this past week really highlighted it in a whole new way. I don't do very well when I have to ask other people for help. And this is kind of not cool because I like helping people, but I don't really do well when other people have to help me. And this is interesting because being a helper or being a server of other people is something that really is part of my identity. It's how I see myself. It's how I believe God created me to be a helper. If you're familiar with the Enneagram at all, I'm a strong two on the Enneagram. So when I'm in this situation where I'm, I'm stuck on a plane for eight and a half hours, there's nothing I can do about it except text poor Laureen and Leanne and say, well... I'm, I'm, I'm going to need your help. I'm not really sure what else I can do here, except, you know, we ended up renting a car. But it's strange when you have those moments in your life when your identity, either you have a crisis or something happens that makes you shift your identity, or at least makes you look inwardly and think, who am I? What makes me worthy? What is my purpose? What is the meaning of all of this? I think these are questions that we start asking ourselves from a really young age. We start to wonder, who am I? I know that I did. When I moved around a lot, my dad was a Methodist pastor, so we moved every few years. And every time I would go to a new school, I would be confronted again with, how are these new people going to perceive me? Who am I going to be in this new place? What if they don't like me? 
But then I learned it didn't stop just in childhood, but it continued when I went to college, seminary, when I came here. When Mike and I got married, I feel like my identity shifted again as I was now a wife and had to wonder, what does it mean now that I am a wife to someone that I have a husband? And then I look back now on my parents growing up and see that, of course, you continue to have these questions about your identity, who you are, what your purpose is throughout your lives. I think back about my dad. He was diagnosed with Parkinson's when he was 35. And I think about what an identity shift that must have been for him to lose your health so early in life. And then on the other end of it, I think about my mom, who was on the partner side of that and had to take care of him, eventually say goodbye to him, and raise my sister and I alone. Like These are identity-shifting moments. Whether it's a birth or a death or moving, there are all sorts of things that can cause us to wonder, who am I? now that things have changed. Health changes, losing somebody, there are a myriad of things. And I think it's natural to think about those things in the big moments of life, perhaps when you're in a crisis, and especially when we come to the beginning of a new year. And I know it's the second week of the new year, but it's still January. We're still getting into 2022. And I think it's a good time to look back and also to look forward and to ask ourselves who God is calling us to be. Because as Christians, when we ask, who am I? What makes me worthy? What is my purpose? We do so not in a vacuum, but in light of our status as children of God. Our scripture this morning from Isaiah 43 is one of the most beautiful passages in scripture. Phoebe and I were talking before the service, and she said, I think it's one of the most beautiful love letters from God that we have It starts off so strong. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. These are a word of hope to people who have previously been in exile. The passage starts with but now, telling us that something has happened in the passage before. And if you flip back to Isaiah 42, we get a very different type of passage. God is angry at the Israelites for sinning and for continuing to be selfish and kind of live into their own desires. And so God says, like, I've got to punish you. You keep doing the wrong things. It's what has to happen. We see this view of God as judgmental and being the punisher that he has to be. But then amidst their sin, amidst their exhaustion from being conquered by the Babylonians, God gives them this word of hope and tells them who they are, what their real identity is. Speaking in first person here, the prophet says again and again, what I will do for my people. The prophet doing this helps us understand how God thinks about all of us. In verse 4, the prophet says, Because you are precious in my sight and honored, I love you. To a community in exile who viewed itself as despised slave of rulers, These words of love and honor would have been like an antidote, helping them to destruct those poisonous messages that they had been receiving from the Babylonian conquerors. The passage continues and says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. Israel's comfort and hope is in the one who has made them, created them, and who has not turned his back on them, even when they are in this chaos of sin and brokenness that we all experience on earth. Even in that, even in the middle of it, God calls them by name. 
And I want us to think about how really amazing that is, that God calls them and us by name. Many of you in this room have kids, or at least you were a kid at one point, or you have friends that have kids, and you can think about how when someone is pregnant and they're going to have a baby, how often they talk about what they're going to name the baby. I know when I've had friends that have kids or my sister-in-law was pregnant, every time we saw her, we'd be like, do you have a name yet? Have you decided what you're going to name this child? There's something about giving someone a name that gives them an identity. It's something that sets them apart, something that you call them for the rest of their lives. Sometimes names are family names that have been passed down. I think sometimes parents name children things that have a strong meaning that they want them to live into. But regardless of how you got your name or the names that you gave your children, that name is something that has become so intimate and personal and unique to you. In fact, did you know that when you hear your name said, that your brain releases serotonin and dopamine, these happy chemicals that actually make you feel better. There is a human expert, a human behavior expert named Dale Carnegie that says, a person's name is to that person the sweetest and most important sound in any language. So think about that again, that God, the creator of the universe, the creator of all of us, of all we can see, of all beyond we can see, chooses to call us by name. Not a blanket statement, but individually, uniquely, and personally, God has called you. Our passage continues and shows the lengths to which God will go to protecting humanity, even amidst their sin. God's promise to not let flood or fire destroy them. Both flood and fire are prevalent throughout Israel's history. I know we could sit here and name stories of when there was fire or flood, and there seemed like there was no way that the people could make it through the situation. And yet, God provides a way. And what's really important about this passage to me is that it doesn't say that there won't be fire and flood in our lives, but it says that I promise to be with you, that you will not have to face them alone. It reminds me of this promised presence of Emmanuel that we've just celebrated at Advent and Christmas, that Jesus came down to earth to be God with us, not just in the good times, but also when we pass through fire and flood, that we'll never have to do those things alone. And then my favorite part of the passage is how it all comes together from verse 1 to verse 7. It's really beautiful. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, who I formed and made. In these seven verses, God does a complete reversal of the judgment and disappointment and pain that was cast on these Israelites in Isaiah 42. They are no longer despised slaves of Babylon. They are no longer called a slave or a Judite, but they are called by their name, they are restored to their whole personhood by being called by their name, by the God of the universe. This prophet clearly wants these Israelites to know that they are beloved by God. And even though this passage was written to a specific group of people and a specific time in history, we can still look at this and know that the same God who is active then, sending this word of comfort and hope, 
and compassion to these Israelites is the same God who will do the same things for us today. When we fail and fall, as we will inevitably do as humans, we can know that that will not have the final word because God has redeemed us and called us, marked us as his own. God calls Israel precious in his sight despite their sins. Therefore, we know that God will never stop loving us or laying claim to us or running after us no matter what we do, no matter what we've done or will do in the future. God's promises are for eternity. I can't think of a better passage to read on this day when we think about Jesus' baptism and when we remember our own. And I'm sure that there are some of you in this room who haven't been baptized, and if you haven't been baptized, then you can think about this day as anticipating your baptism. But for those of you who were baptized as an infant like I was, or baptized as an when you can remember it when you're a little older, we can use this time each year to think back and to remember what happened in those waters. Because this is not just normal water like we see every day. These waters of baptism actually change us. When you were baptized, you actually went through an identity change. Our old selves die, and we are born again as a child of God. That is the moment that God redeems us, that God claims us, that we are made worthy. And note, this worthiness has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with God's grace and that God has sealed us and loves us no matter what we do. This passage is so beautiful, but can be kind of hard to accept. I don't know if you are like this, but I am my own worst critic, and I think a lot of times that's how humans operate. And so hearing you are loved, you are forgiven, you are chosen despite Everything that God knows that we do when we mess up and when we fall, it can be really hard to accept and to know that that's the truth. And that's why we need to read this passage again and again and again and to let these words wash over us. God's grace, mercy, and love are abundant even in our weakness. We're not worthy because of who we are, but because of whose we are. So again, we come back to the question, who are we? What makes us worthy? What is our purpose? This prophet reminds us that our core identity does not lie in our hobbies or relationships, our jobs, our achievement, our personality, but in God's identification of us as precious in his sight, honored and loved. Our sense of belonging comes from the one who claims us and will never let us go. So I want you to know today, Barbara and Glenda, Forrest, Tommy Sue, Mary Helen, Taylor, Lamy, Elizabeth, Jeff, Susan, Beth, Elaine, that you are chosen, that you are loved, you are named and claimed by the God who created you, who is redeeming you, and who will sustain us forevermore. That's what we celebrate today as we remember our baptism. And I want you to think about that as we go through this remembrance of baptism part of the service. Brothers and sisters, through the sacrament of baptism, we are incorporated into God's holy church. 
We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All of this is God's gift given to us without price. Today we come to the waters to renew our commitments in each other's presence. To Christ who has raised us, the Spirit who has birthed us, and the Creator who is making all things new. And so I ask you to reaffirm your baptism today. Will you turn away from the powers of sin and death, renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I will. Will you proclaim the good news and live as disciples of Jesus Christ, confess him as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, say, I will. Will you be a living witness to the gospel, individually and together, wherever you are, and in all that you do, remaining faithful members of Christ's holy church, and serve as Christ's representatives in the world? If so, say, I will. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. After the flood, you set in the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Holy God, pour out your Holy Spirit, and by this gift of water, call to our remembrance the grace declared to us in our baptism. For you have washed away our sins, and you clothe us with righteousness throughout our lives that dying and rising with Christ, we may share in his final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who lives with you and the Holy Spirit forever. Amen. Well, this year, out of an abundance of caution, we won't be coming forward to touch this water. But I want you to think about what happened in these waters when you see the rain later today, when you wash your hands, when you see the gulf, when you see the bay, when you see the dew on the grass in the morning. I want you to remember that the God of the universe has redeemed you and called you by name. That is a love beyond anything we could ever imagine or deserve, and yet it has been freely given for all of us. So thanks be to God for this gift and that we all have been redeemed and marked and claimed as God's own. Amen.